And I told him a quote that it, it, my mom told me years ago, and she got it from somebody else. If you're going to do something wrong, make sure you do it right. gentlemen boys and girls he she them or they and everyone who falls in between i am mouse jones welcome back to another episode of quarantine nightly as i said last week um you know this is my first time doing the news and doing these type of stories and covering them in this manner um so i want to make sure i'm bringing things to you that uh are important but are still on brand and things i think our community is interested in and needs to hear certain stories so on fridays fridays are dedicated to these deep dives and these um, long sit downs with, like I said, people telling their stories in, in a manner in which we, we typically don't get to hear in our community. Sometimes when people are, are, are arrested or are sent to prison, only one half of the story is told and then the other half is left up to folklore or left up to them or, to be honest, no one cares enough to hear. Um, so I, I, I open my platform to everyone. Shout out to Tax Stone. Um, for sitting down with me last week. This week, we are sitting with Steven Dominguez, um, also known as Stevie Guns. You might have heard the story, you might have not, but I'm pretty sure you've never heard it from his words in this way. Um, I have Steven Dominguez here with me now. Steve, how are you feeling? What's going on, brother? I'm all right. Um, how, how's the quarantine treating you? Um, well, you know, fortunate and lucky for me, um, I am an essential worker. I came uh, out of prison and through connections, people that I know, uh, they got me into a position where I work for the Department of Homeless Services. And um, I basically respond to three-on-one outreach calls uh, that have, you know, a matter to do with somebody that they see that's homeless in their community. If you have the three-on-one app, you can actually, you know, make a, a complaint or, you know, a concern about a homeless individual in your neighborhood. And I go with the company car, I assess the situation try to get that person, you know, from off the street into a safe haven or a shelter. Most of the time they have uh, drug, alcohol abuse problems. Uh, 90% of them have a mental health issue or disorder. So, you know, we assess it from there. I work alongside case managers. And again, lucky for me, I'm outside the house, but always well protected. Everybody around me is doing well. And I'm just fortunate. That's good. That's good. All right. So before we get deep into it, I want to kind of start, not at the end, obviously at the end, but I want to start at maybe the climax or, or the the point that everybody's going to, who, who can is going to recall. What were you charged and eventually um, convicted of? I was initially indicted and arrested on uh, A1 possession, uh, criminal sale of a controlled substance. I had 77 ounces of cocaine on me, two bricks and five ounces. I had about 150 oxycodone pills on my person. And about two pounds of marijuana in my car. And what and what were you convicted of? I was convicted of the A1 sale, the A1 uh, possession, uh, conspiracy two and four, and promoting prison contraband. And that resulted in a sentence of how long? I did. I was sentenced uh, by the courts. Uh, I took a plea deal. I did not go to trial. I was sentenced to eight years and five years post-supervision once that's over. 
I ended up doing five and a half years uh, in the state pen. All right. So I want to start there so we could paint the picture, right? Because I think right there is where everybody's going to be able to to hone in on. But I want to, I want, I want, I want to tell the story. I want you, or at least I want you to tell the story. So where where did you begin? Where did you start? Where where were you born? What was it like growing up? Um, going to school. What what was that like? I was born here in Queens at um, uh, which is now uh, Queens Hospital. It used to be Booth Memorial back in 1998. Um, born and raised in Queens. I went to school out here, elementary, junior high school, junior and um, high school. Um, I lived a decent life, uh, never really uh, needed for anything. My mother was a substitute teacher at the Board of Ed. Uh, I lived in a, you know, predominantly uh, black neighborhood. I'm from Queens Village, uh, also known as Shadyville, for those that, mm-hmm. that are familiar with Queens. Um, played basketball, uh, Ran around with, you know, close friends of mine. Uh, I was a street kid, but not in a negative way. Just somebody, I was my only child by my mother and my father only. So okay. I was always outside. You know, I, I, my my life after school was being outside. And if it wasn't, it was in school. You know, my mom's a teacher. So to this day, so, you know, that was always enforced. Mm. And growing uh, from, Okay, I'm sorry. From there, um, I went to John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And uh, throughout that time, I worked. Uh, at LaGuardia Airport. I was a transportation security officer through my college years. What was the, let me ask you this. So so at dur- during that time, especially growing up in Queens, what was the soundtrack? What, what was the soundtrack? What would you say was the soundtrack to your life at that moment? The soundtrack to my life was... Like what was the music that you were... I mean, I grew up li- loving music, so like I, I tend to use yeah, no, likewise, yeah like I, I, I tend to use words like what was feeding me at the time. Like growing up around that age, like what was feeding me, like that's what I'm thinking. Like that's what I was listening to every day. So what was like the soundtrack to your to your childhood growing up, well, at least being, to like your yeah, formidable years? Yeah, yeah. Being from Queens, definitely um, Capone and Noriega. Mm. You know, CNN was that they gave me life. You know, I thought I was a gangster when I was younger. You know, mm. only when I heard the music. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't honestly get to appreciate Nas as until I got older. Until I actually got out of high school, did I actually appreciate Nas? I was always a Jay Z fan. Smart move. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, as I got older, I started to understand what Illmatic was about. I didn't understand what Illmatic was about when I was growing up. You know, I, to me, I thought he was just a global history teacher. Wow, I've never heard yeah. it like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it, but he's one of my favorite rappers to this day. You know, uh, hmm. definitely Rough Riders, The Locks, Jada. Always been a big Jada Kiss fan. From is there one song right now? If I put you on the spot, if I'm like, give me a verse. Is there one song you can remember from back then that you could just remember? Just you still remember all the lyrics to? Uh, Money, Power, Respect. Let me hear. Let me hear one verse you remember. <laughs> you put me on the spot. See. Spot, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Damn, man, you put me on the spot. <laughs> no. Um. But the reason I do that is because like. Sometimes you just, when you think about your childhood, at least for me, when I think about my childhood, it's, yeah, it, there's layered memories and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. But for me, 
it's always music. Music always comes back. No, definitely, like, definitely. Even one, like one, yeah. one, one line yeah. I can give you right now is Jada on that on that track is um uh, I keep my rock spotless and my host topless. Mm. That for me, like damn, I want my rock to be spotless and I want these hosts to be topless. Boom. You know? See, that's I where I was getting. That's exactly I wanna, where I was getting. I, 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 I want to get to that. I want I want to know what that feels like, you know? So now, okay, so that's where I was getting, right? Because at you some... Know, this, this, is, this is the puberty stage. You know? Right. So... <laughs> so that's where I was getting, right? So like when you start to think about... When you start to think about the way in your formidable years, when you start to think about the way you 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 begin to lust after things or certain things you want whether it's your woman or the type of woman you want the type of clothes you want the 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 type of jewelry if you want jewelry it's right there but it's then, funny that you say that it's funny that you bring that up because i think that that kind of dwells into my my state of mind to what led to what we're about to talk about now because it, it was a lifestyle that was glorified at that time from from and it's still currently glorified to have the most money, to have the the best diamonds, the flyest uh, cars, you know, to be dripped from head to toe, like that's what people strive for. The regular nine to five guy strives for it. The drug dealer on the corner strives for it. The kingpin living in Miami strives for it. You know, so so that that's kind of like the, the the main objective. That's kind of like the goal, and that that kind of always drives people to do more, to have a side hustle, to you know, do the wrong thing for the right, for what they feel is the right reason, you know? Mm. So when did that begin to birth in you? Because you said you were going to John Jay, you said you were um, studying, studying to, to become, um, if, I don't want to mix up, mix up your words, you studying uh, criminal justice, like... Yeah, yeah, I minded in criminal justice and I majored in forensic psychology. So when did, so... Were you thinking, because I think that's the juxtaposition that those of us that grow up in the hood or in these urban areas live in, right? Where we're, we're on this fine line of, okay, we might not want to do crime, but we want everything that the crime brings. Or or we just right. see a certain, we see the first time we're exposed um, to those certain things in a tangible manner is when we see see it through there, right? Like when we see the dope boy might have it, the, the dealers might have it, the jack boys might have it, we like... Yeah, yeah, I, I want that. But we're still, Absolutely. you know, we still may be in a, a a position where we're saying we don't want to go down that route. No, nah, absolutely. And growing up in New York City, I think a, a lot of us, especially uh, growing up and being born in the late 80s, early 90s, um, you were always told, like, yo, get a city job or get a state job, get a federal job, because that way you can start young and you can end young and you know, you could live off this pension and make money after you're 45 and not have to work and you could buy a house and build a family and have great benefits. So all those incentives is what you're looking at, you know, and it's like, well, I don't want to sell drugs because I know the end, ending factor. Uh, I don't want to have to go into people's house and rob them because that's not in me. So let me let me apply for these jobs that everybody keeps talking about that these job fairs go to my school for and tell me, yo, listen, you do your 20, you make 100K chilling you out you ain't got to worry about nothing and you live comfortable right but at that moment you want you still but right so 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 we get that but in the back of our minds we still want the lifestyle that we see our rappers that rap about this life bring so right. how were you going or, or was that even a thought process or were you just thinking like all right i'm gonna get the city job and that is what'll 
allow me to buy these jewels and have these cars. That was kind of, yeah, that was going to be a stepping stone of mine. I always wanted to be a business owner. I always wanted to get into stocks. I always wanted to do these things. But at that time, 18, 19 years old, that's what was in front of me. And that's what I took advantage of. Hmm. Okay. So now you're... You're applying for these jobs. You're applying for the, the city job. You're applying for ICE. Applying for T. Oh, you were already working at TSA. I was already working TSA. TSA is one of the only federal agencies you're allowed to be under 21, and and uh, you're allowed to have it as a part time. So I was doing that and going to school. Uh, around that time, I applied to sanitation, uh, customs, ICE, immigration, all these all these uh, agencies except for uh, police department. One thing I knew I didn't want to be was a police officer. Why not? Just the 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 weight that they carry, man. I I you know I I never had a a terrible um uh, relationship with officers. Uh, we would get um you know stopped in the park if it was after nine o'clock. We would get pulled over, you know, once you know we was able to uh be able to drive and stuff like that. There was harassment here and there, but I never went through something negative that tarnished me from them i just knew i i couldn't and wouldn't want to be in that position where how old were you when the sean bell shooting took place yo you know what's funny i was um getting off the air train at jfk an hour before that happened mm. um prior to tsa i didn't mention i had a girlfriend in high school her father had a contract to power wash the terminals overnight okay I was 16 17 years old doing that and I believe I was 17 or 16 when that happened in 2003, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cor- cor- correct me, correct yep. me if I'm wrong. And that that literally happened. And that, you know, seeing these things, those type of events happen, it, it definitely makes you not want to be in that position. Not, you know, you're fighting for your life for a check. It was, or, it was November, uh, just so we're, we're correct. It was November 25th, 2006. Six. Okay. So I was a senior in high school, but that was, te- that was uh, right before I began TSA. So so now that you're so now you begin the job at TSA. No, so that's where I want to go. So because you were speaking about how the uh, how your 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 relationship with the police was was different because or not different, but you just knew you didn't want to be one. So that's what I was yeah, asking. Nah, like growing up in Queens in the Sean Bell case, right, right. So okay, so now you get you know, the. I remember even even the younger days in the nineties with the, uh, you know Abdul Luima and all that stuff. I remember seeing those things. I'm like, yo, I would never want to be in that position ever. I don't care how much you pay. So then you get a call from the uh, Department of, of Corrections. I took that test blindly. I didn't know what I was really getting into. You what, know, so I, if you're able to uh, discuss, what are some of the questions on that test? They're, they're generic uh, um, uh, questions as far as like, you know, what, uh, they'll give you a scenario like um, two inmates are on the A side and you want to get to the B side and there's only two doors and one door leads to somewhere else. It, it's just like... Um, Motor skill type of questions. They just want to know that you're competent enough to count from one to one hundred, and that you can hold yourself accordingly. Okay. And at this time, now, what's the difference in your mindset um, at that time? What's the difference between being a cop and being a, a CO, a corrections officer? Um, I'm not running after anybody uh, through housing. You know, I'm not in. Uh, crazy weather conditions uh you know i'm not um enforcing uh extreme laws that 
I know I break on a daily basis. I think, you know, a lot of police officers are, are, are you know, they take that position because they, they like the authoritative power, you know? So there was never a... There was never like a mental weighing of like, okay, I arrested, I arrested people that I put in jail, or I, I'm like keeping an eye on the people I put in jail. Like there was never that's, like a. That's that was kind of the 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 meeting ground to me actually pursuing a career in corrections because it's like, well, you know, I'm not arresting them, I'm not you know implementing any type of uh, law, I'm not you know uh, going taking people through the process or trying to catch people doing the wrong thing. They already did the wrong thing. I'm just babysitting. That's how I, that's how I justified it. And what was your outlook on criminal justice? Because this was, you took that test, what, 05, 06, I'm guessing? About 06, yeah. Okay, so what, so at that time, because I'm guessing, oh no, you're a year older than me, so we're around the same age. So at that time, what was your outlook on criminal justice? Like, as far as, like, the way the cops interact with people, the way the justice system... Hand, like, right now, I'm pretty sure um, at our age, we know... We have actual knowledge of things, but also seeing family members go through the system, you yourself being through the system now, we know the type of injustices that yeah, are set no, up against yeah, us. Definitely, Back definitely. then, I don't think we knew my, that. My my older brother on my father's side uh, was in and out of uh, Rikers Island prior to me uh, taking that exam. And I saw the, the hurt behind it. You know, that... It's a domino effect when somebody gets arrested, you know? Right. Um, it's not just the person that's being accused of the crime. It's their family members, you know, and it's everybody around them. And I started seeing that little by little. Um, but I still took advantage of being called from this exam, being that I had just turned 21. So I was able to start the academy at 21. And I, I again, I just kept thinking in my head, you know what? do this and then maybe you could branch off to something else because you'll have the city time in and then your your pension will roll over. You know, like I, I didn't expect to do the whole 20 years on Rikers Island hmm. well, as a correction officer. What was the, was there, was there an, not an escape plan, Was but was there a transition plan, like a hard transition plan in your head or you just knew you weren't going to do the full 20? I, I, I kept telling myself, I kept psyching myself out. Like, yo, listen, man, you're not, you're not going to be, behind these walls because as a CEO you're 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 locked up for eight to sixteen hours as well. You can't go nowhere with somebody out without somebody else opening the door. And you're the person that, that runs the show, but you gotta ask somebody to open the door as well. So that that kind of psyched me out in the beginning. And I said, you know what, I, I'm not gonna be able to do this for for an extremely long time. And if I do and I do stay in this department, I'm gonna try to ride through the ranks so I don't have to see a jail. Because not every correctional officer works in jail. Some mm. work out in the courts, some work in, um, you know, the corporate side of, of corrections and uh, uh, others do, you know, transport. You're, you're not, not all correction officers are on Rikers Island or in the city jails. Got you. Um, okay. So you get the, you get the call or was it a letter? I, I, I know from my, from my family, I know they got a letter, Um, but it yes. could be different, but did you, yes, yes, so yes. you get, you I get did, the I get the letter. Um, it says that, you know, I uh, gave in the application and I passed the exam. Um, I will be getting reached out by uh, someone from the department to let me know what the next step is, which will be the physical exam and then the psychological exam. I passed those with uh, fl uh, flying colors and I was appointed in December of 2010. Going into, Dece let's talk about December 2010. So December 2010, 
let's paint the picture for a minute. How old are you? What's going on in your life? What is the romantic life like? And I'm always going to ask throughout this episode, um, throughout this interview, um, the soundtrack. Like, tell me what's going on in 2010. Who is Steve? Who is Steven Dominguez in 2010 about to become a correction officer? At that time, I uh, started getting a lot more financial independence. Uh, my main goal for that year was to move out of my mom's house. That was like my main goal. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to get off probation, which is, you know, a probationary period that a correction officer gets. Um, I'm going to stack my bread. You know, um, I'm already starting to learn what the job and the logistics behind the job carry. So, you know, I'm coming in as a 21-year-old. 70% of the population is around my age, too. So I got to... I got to stand my ground, basically. I'm not going to be an asshole, but I don't want to be a piece of shit either. You know, I want to do my eight and get out the door. So as far as the, the soundtrack to that that moment was like, you know, I needed to hype myself up. I'm a big DMX fan. Mm. So I'm listening to DMX. I'm, you know, driving to the academy every day and I'm I'm getting hype. I'm getting stoked. You know, I'm putting myself in a certain mindset. So, so that day you walked through, let me ask you this, going into it mentally, did you believe you were prepared? Like, um, I know we talk about, I, I, we, I know we talk about the training or lack thereof training or mental, um, stability of police officers entering the force, but what, what is it? Is that, is that, is that same thing given to the correction officers with training? Are you guys fully prepared or fully uh very very minimal the, the four months that you're in the academy compared to the six months as a police officer you're in the academy for four months of, uh during correction and um they they basically try to infuse to you and instill in your head that yo don't get played by these dudes these dudes are gonna run game on you they're smarter than you they're more uh, uh, uh visual they're, they're more cognizant of what's going on so they know the game just as much as you think you know the game. So don't let them run circles around you, basically. A lot of it was more paperwork than anything. So in my opinion, I wasn't prepared. Personally, I wasn't prepared. Because that, that's a whole nother mm -hmm. world on itself. So they're telling you, So for, and I'm just going off of what you said. So they're, they're, they're preparing you or they're getting you in this. They're warning to, you. Right, they're warning you. That's what I... Great. Yes, they're warning you. They're warning you, and 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 almost kind of like getting you to prejudge these men that or you men and women that you're about to deal with. Hundred percent. But 100%. is there anyone throughout that time? Because clearly that's the systemic way, right? Like if we're talking about systemic versus personal, that's the systemic way. That's the systemic right. teaching that hey, these guys you're about to deal with are absolute trash, and I'm warning you, be ready. But is they're there the any worst of the worst, right? And and they're trying to they they again they're trying to run game on you, and, and you're just a pawn in their in their house, man. right? So at any point, is there anyone in charge or anyone in anyone in charge of the curriculum? Is anyone stressing the human side, the fact that these guys are human and you should deal with them as humans, or or not? I feel like uh, some of the training staff at the academy attempted to do these things, but. There's so much knowledge that you have to take in in 120 days that it becomes impossible because they're, they're trying to give you everything so you can't say you weren't taught it mm. on a on a on a um curriculum aspect, you know. Gotcha. So so it's like you know you'll have an officer that that's you know tenure that's been there 20 years, 23 years, and now they work at the academy, and they'll tell you their you know their experience, their dealings. 
um, whether it was physical or verbal with an inmate, and you know, you go off what they tell you. You ask questions off off their experience, and that's how you kind of get it like a feel. But it's never a class where listen, treat these guys accordingly. They're human beings. They're you know they made a mistake. They're innocent to proven guilty because you know Rikers Island is a jail. It's not right, a it's not a prison. So the people there are either sentenced to under two years or they're they're or awaiting they're trial. trial. They're right. awaiting trial or they're fighting, fighting trial. Case. Yes, you know so. Um, you you don't really get that. It, it, it's literally just yo. You're here to watch these dudes, make sure they don't kill each other, and go home, and everything in between that. But it's again, it's so much to intake in under four months. And you be like, yo, four months sounds like a reasonable time to mm-hmm. get to know what a job is expecting you, you know, to do. But it's not. It's not. So the probation on a, on, on a mental health, <laughs> mm-hmm. on a mental aspect, it's not. So the probation period as a correction officer is how long? Two years. Two years. Okay, so... Two years to your, um, you know, where you could be held accountable for any minor thing that you might do wrong, you can be, you can be, um... Terminated. terminated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so two years. Okay, so I want to ask you, what, what did you eat? Or what was that, like, the day before you went in, was there a party? Was there a, a huge excitement? Was the family excited? There was there was definitely a, like was there this big dinner yeah class. got you upon, yeah among the graduating class there was a party you know drinks food everything um and it was just like a preference to like yo listen we made it these these weren't an easy four months some people didn't make the four months some people got so scared and psyched out when we went on OJT which is on job training mm-hmm. we do that for two weeks where you're, um, you know, you go in and you're, you know... You're shadowing uh, uh, somebody? Yeah, yeah, you're shadowing, you're being uh, given a tour of Rikers Island and what to expect. A lot of, uh, I, I think my graduating class had 340-something recruits. The week after the first week, that number, that, I think, I want to say it dropped down to like 293. Wow. So we lost about 50 people just off that week alone. And then the second week was even more than that. Wow. Because people realized that th- this wasn't for them. This wasn't for them. Because inmates are still going to be inmates. They, they, and, they, and they're going to hype up and throw more of a show when you do come in to show you, like, yo, listen, this shit is real. You're not in the academy no more behind a desk. This shit is real. You hear the alarm sounding off constantly, and you're like, damn, when the fuck do these officers get a break when you realize that they don't? It's an ongoing 24-7, you cannot lack at this position. And some people couldn't take that, and, and they fell off. So at that time, are you... I can liken it to like when I was in the military. I believe there was a period where I believed the... I drank the Kool-Aid. I believed the hype. I was super USA. I believed it. I Every, every brown person was a possible terrorist, was a possible op were like if you didn't make if you didn't make it through boot camp if you didn't make it through a school b school if you didn't make it through training i looked at you lesser were you at any time were you high off the juice and did you like were you looking down on people who didn't make it did like were you hyped up on the the thought of being a correction officer um i personally didn't uh look down on nobody that didn't make it because i looked at it like well you know they're making a smart decision maybe it's not for them maybe it's not for me, but you know what? I've worked this hard and I don't want to give up on myself for giving up on, on, on the Academy of Corrections. I don't want to give up on myself. Mm. 
you know, and I made it this far and I'm not a quitter. So, so let's get it. You know, that, that was my mentality. I like that. So let's get it. So you, let's get it. So first day, first day, what is that like? That first day, this is not training. It's not OG, there's not OJT first day. Um, what is it like? What is that first day? Do what, what does it smell like? What is What's going on in your stomach? Well, is it, know, is again, it the I, yeah? I already got the feel from from you know the on job training that we did for two weeks. So I kind of get like you know reminiscent of like I right, well, luckily for me the building I was assigned to GMDC, I actually trained in that building. So I kind of had a, a feel of like you know I mapped it out. I knew where where things were because uh, I have photographic memory. So mm. I, I remember like if they told me I got to go to dorm three or five main i knew where to go already so i had that advantage that a lot of a lot of cats didn't the other advantage i had was that i worked the midnight on my first week because i was on the wheel one week on when you when you first start you start on on the wheel meaning that you have right. multiple shifts multiple weeks gotcha. so one week you're 11 to 7 one week you're 7 to 11 one week you're uh, seven to three. One week you're three to eleven. You know you're you're altering because they want you to get a feel of every again, just like the academy. They want you to um, understand what every shift and every tour carries. So later on, when you're put in that position, you can't say, "Oh, I never worked this shift. I don't know what to do." Mm. So I came in on the eleven p.m. to seven a.m. shift, and I was assigned a dorm area. Now GMDC, is, what are those? The, those inmates are if I'm if, from just my knowledge of you know family and, and friends, that's the that's where the younger kids are, no? No, 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 that's R&DC. Okay, I'm sorry. That's R&DC. The, the, the buildings have altered and changed, you know, from the time that I left in 2014 to now. Okay. So um, I'm not 100% sure uh, if R&DC is still, um, you know, for the youth and the juveniles, but GMDC currently is closed, so, you know, they're starting to close right. Rikers Island little by little. But um, my building itself was a predominantly cell side building and a dorm side building the cell sides were the high classification inmates so when so when we say high classification are we talking about in regards to crime or just notoriety everything everything they get a, a classification from department of corrections which is uh in regards to their crime uh their rap sheet and also their institutional record being you know uh uh, do they have a violent record? Have they are they predicate cutters? Have they been caught with contraband before? Are they SRG, which is security risk group? Um, that means you know if they belong or involved or associated with a gang. Hmm. So that first day, you're on you you you're you're kind of feeling at ease, should I say? Because you've had the train no, this there's week. There's definitely there's definitely some 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 bubbles in my stomach. I'm I'm definitely have butterflies. Like everybody does their first day of any new job, you know? Okay. So um, I was assigned a dorm area on the midnight shift, so that means everybody is on their, on their uh, beds. Okay. And um, I had 50 inmates on one side and 50 inmates on another, and it's just me and another officer. Were you... So, so those numbers are... Like, that doesn't even sound safe. No, that ratio is, is scary on itself. Right. And at, at any time, are you beginning to question, like when 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 those doors close and it's just y'all two and these inmates? What's your thought process? Is it are you are you still believing what you were taught? Like I gotta watch my back around these people? Or yeah, you... of course, of course. Basically, don't trust any of these dudes. Uh, always check them if they disrespect you. You know, verbally, of course. 
Um, uh, the ending factor will be something physical, but you know they got to put hands on you for you to do that. Uh, just be mindful and cognizant. Make sure that you know these guys don't um step a boundary that you have to build. You know, I I mm. walked in there with with a level of confidence, and I think that's that's kind of what helped me because these cats saw that I was young. They could they could read you. You know, they they could tell and see like, oh, this dude's probably in his twenties, probably his first job. You know. They know who's been there, who hasn't, you know? Who they has know, Go ahead. They know and can, like, I feel like they can smell how street savvy you are. Mm. Just all asking certain questions. Yo, fam, where you from? We were told in the academy, we're not supposed to tell the inmates where we're from. Right. You know? So all, off that first initial conversation, they they, they already um have a sense of who they're dealing with. And vice versa. So who, in your first couple of weeks there, let me ask you these two questions. One, who was more empathetic to human nature? Was it the inmates towards the guards or the guards towards the inmates? Or was there yeah. this, this, uh, was this, was there always this like adversarial cat and mouse type game going on? For most, I, I would say for most, you had a lot of inmates Remember, not every inmate is a is a criminal. You have a lot of innocent people there. You have a lot of people there that they, you know, were were um, associated with someone, and that's why they're there. Or, you know, they did something, but they hit with something that's not as minor as what they did. Mm. So, not not every person in there has a a, a bad aura to them. Mm. So I had, I, you know, throughout my time, I had inmates that were like, "Yo, uh, Dominguez, you want me to clean?" Um, uh, yo, Dominguez, you know, they were, they were formal and respectful. Yo, Dominguez, can you open a hot pot? I want to make a soup. You had some cats that like, yo, open my cell before I fucking light this shit on fire. I'm not playing with you. Yeah, you had inmates right. that said, yo, I'm not locking in. Suck my dick. Call the captain. I can't live here. If you want to shake, we shake right now. Take your badge off. You had that type of inmate too. So it varied, you know? When, okay, and the, the other question I was going to ask, when do you begin to become, um, and and when do you become CEO Dominguez? When do you become your version of a correction officer? When do you come into your own? When are you no longer the probie? When are you no longer, uh, looking back at your manual? Like when are you yeah, yeah. comfortable and saying, "All right, I'm here. I'm here. All right, this one does this. This one does this. I gotta watch this yeah. one." When does that happen? I can say that um, I adapted quickly. I carried myself accordingly, regardless of me being a witness to the violence, the culture I wasn't really too familiar with. I made it work. You know, I gained a level of respect amongst my peers and amongst the inmates I supervised. I engaged with conversation. And me, as a person, I'm full of empathy. You know, I'm not here to judge you because on your floor card it says, you know, uh, uh, murder in the second, attempted murder in the first, gun possession in the first, gun possession in the second. 25 kilos of cocaine. I'm not here to look at that and judge you because that's not my role. And for a lot of officers, they get that misconstrued. They look at that and they see, oh, well, this dude is a pedophile, so I'm going to treat him like a pedophile. Mm. I didn't do that. Even though a side of me would want to judge them, I kind of didn't want them to judge me on judging them, if that makes any sense. Mm. You know? So I, I gave everybody the respect that, you know, they gave me. When do you, know, you I, prevent, I, mm -hmm. I prevented multiple suicides in there? Like, that's what I was going I, that right. So, because I was going to talk about that, was the suicide rate 
on Rikers Island at the time you were there. I believe doing my research. I'm sorry, I I moved from that um mm-hmm. I moved from that page. I'm sorry, suicide rate. I can't even. I'm not 100 percent sure if that right. could be on the website. Right, right. I, I I was looking at some. I remember I was looking at. I don't remember the. I, I lost the the page because my computer. Um, I started it over, but ne- neither here nor there. Um, we all know about the Khalif Browders. We know about um yes. the 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 people who are mistreated in jail. Just for even if they are criminal, you know, there's still a hierarchy within that system. Then there's the system of quote unquote criminal justice that reigns down. So some guys can't bear it, and they do commit suicide. They do. It's it, it's it's too much for them. It's something they've never experienced. Um, it's a cutthroat environment, you know, for for everyone, for for staff members, for the mental health clinicians, for you know the cooks, the 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 civilian cooks, um, and the inmates. Of course, it, it's a cutthroat environment. You know, you I've heard of stories where a dude is being extorted, and they force in his mother that comes to visit him twice a week. They force in his mother to bring drugs because if she doesn't. He's gonna get it, mm. you know. There, there's stories like that, and these stories are so unbelievable. But if when you're there, you understand that they're true. Mm. So when you're hearing this, what is or, or when you're seeing these stories, is there anything in you that's saying, "I I'm gonna stop it," or "Okay, I'm just not going to"? Like, where do you fall in that I'm gonna, at that time? I'm gonna try my best to prevent it while I'm on the floor. I'm going to try my best to prevent it while I'm present because I could go home at night and say, well, you know, God forbid the fight that I prevented between these two dudes over the phone, they didn't kill each other or cut each other while I was there. Got it. You know, so I could say I could come home. I could could drive home at night and be like, well, you know, I locked them in securely. God forbid they come out in the morning and they have a, a yelling match on the midnight and come out in the morning and they cut each other, but at least I know that I gave it. I gave it my all, and because of that, um, I started to get noticed for, for you know, being that people person, but still being a collection officer and doing what I had to do. I received a letter of appreciation of the warden. Mm. Um, one of my last years there, uh, basically, um, I was awarded that letter of appreciation, um, because I worked in the most dangerous and problematic unit in that building, which is RHU, Restrictive Housing Unit. Yes. These guys have the highest level, level one that's mental health status, and they're also violent. So they're in the box, but if they um, do what they have to do, they, they're not causing staff any issues, they can slowly work their way out and go to the day room and be able to watch TV and get their radio back and, you know, get amenities that being in the box you wouldn't get. But they're treated this way because their mental health issue is is through the roof. You know, not even mental health staff can deal with them. So I was assigned that house about two and a half years into me being a CEO because of the way I controlled the inmates that I had around me. From the time, the first question I want to ask was, what are you? You you said you could drive home at night. And and know you did the right thing by like you know if you broke up a fight and just made sure these guys stayed alive, right? Yeah, it wasn't on my conscience. Right, that's what I'm asking. Right, so that's what I'm asking. What is we're human? Mm-hmm. We're human. A lot of people forget that we're right. human. So you know, we have just the same human, human, humanistic qualities that everybody else has. We right. just have a different shirt on. 
So what are those thoughts driving home? As soon as you take the, is it, is it, do you carry this? Have you ever carried it with you? Was it a rough day? Was there suicide maybe that you weren't able to prevent? Was there a situation that you interacted with one of these guys and now you felt bad and it stayed on your heart? Like, what were those drives home like? Just what you said just now, you know, like um, my second suicide where I cut the dude down from the noose that he, you know, the makeshift noose that he did from the uh, bed sheets on the uh, light fixture. Mm. I cut him down when I was doing my account just coming in. So he thought that, you know, by the time this officer gets relieved, I'm going to have time to kill myself. This dude had just blew trial to 15 years to life. He was 22 years old. So his mind must have been racing. And, you know, he probably had a bad phone call. Aside from just blowing trial, you know, I learned all of this after the right, right, of course. Uh, I see him. I see what he's trying to do. I, you know, alert the CEO in the bubble to open the door. I go in there with my nine eleven knife, which looks like a hook. Mm-hmm. Basically, that it's made for you're given that in the academy. It's made for you to, you know, to use during these type of events. Yeah. And I didn't have to do overtime that day because I was already on a double. I had got stuck, so I was already uh, physically drained and tired. And, um, you know, they told me, yo, come back on, on the next shift tomorrow, and then you can write the report, and, you know, you let us know what happened. Um, on the drive home that night, I was I was just thinking about this dude the entire night. I couldn't even sleep, and I'm exhausted. I just worked 16 and a half hours. But that 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 stayed, in, you know, on my conscience. Like, damn, man, like, what if I didn't see this dude? You know, I'm not rewarding myself because I saw him. I'm, I'm just thinking about what he's going through. Fuck what I'm going through. I'm still alive, and, you know, I didn't attempt to commit suicide i'm not facing 15 years to life at that age we're the same age right you know so are you seeing that a lot are you seeing a lot of mirrors are you seeing a lot of mirrors mirrors um while you're there are you seeing yourself are you seeing like yo i could this could have been me one wrong step one wrong move wrong place wrong time um i'm there for eight hours 16 hours so you you converse with guys and they tell you about about their case they show you the paperwork yo d look i wasn't even there i swiped my metro car two hours before the crime and I was already in Crown Heights and the crime was in um you know uh Jamaica Queens and like they're trying to you know prove it to me when they really have to prove it to the prosecution and the judge but they know that I'm listening. Right. You know so I, I, I took a lot of that into consideration too when I would have that drive home. I saw dudes bleed from from mouth to, to the top of their head man with their whole shit split open. Those type of visuals I never seen in person, I've seen in movies. So when you actually see what it looks like in person, that that shit, that shit, you know, does something to somebody. And what did you know, it? I, what did it do to you? What did, did that begin? Did that begin begin to harden you to this, or or what? You you be you become like you know um, what's the proper word like I desensitized guess just, almost desensitized and like adjusted to the violence because you know it's coming. You just got to be prepared for when it does. Mm. You know, and that, you know, Rikers Island, you know, I joke around about it, but Rikers Island gave me balls, man. Like, I would come home, I had a nice car, I parked my car, and I'm driving home. I'm like, yo, if anybody try to, like, run up on me right now and rob me for something, it doesn't have to be me coming home. It could be anywhere that I was in the city. Like, yo, if anybody tries something, like, they better not because I got my gun on me. Like, it gave me that, like, um courage that I didn't have because it's like what are you going to show or do to me that I haven't seen on like zone mm. so you so it began to give you like this PTSD almost where you I did I did and and you know we'll bring that up in, in a few minutes mm-hmm. but um 
uh, prior to my incarceration to me being sentenced, my lawyer uh, got a forensic psychologist, and it's funny how the world goes, uh, uh, you know, turns because I wanted to be a forensic psychologist when mm-hmm. I was younger. Right. Um, to, you know, uh, assess me and, and, you know, see where my mental health was at to see if we could get some, you know, uh, uh, some sympathy from the judge at right. sentencing. And I found out that I do have PTSD. And I also found out that I have borderline personality disorder. And do you think that a lot of that is attribu- attributed to the time you spent as a correction officer? Having to I believe, go in between I believe, these two different people? I believe it it, it, it lit the match, basically. You gotcha. know, a match is a match, but it's not a match until you light it. it. Right. Absolutely. Okay. You know? So, um, so obviously, since you get there, and I guess this is the juicy part that everybody wants to get to. Um, but I wanted to, like I said, I want to paint the picture as a human first. Um, so how quickly or how soon do you get to Rikers Island and start working? How soon into that are you getting offers? Are you getting offers from, I guess, CO, other COs or even inmates to start doing, you know, dirty stuff, bringing contraband, bringing drug, bringing a phone? Like how 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 early does that, that start? That type of stuff within the correction officer realm, that stuff is locker room talk, you know? You hear a rumor, yo, did you know that um, this dude is uh, uh, supposedly bringing drugs in? But it's like, nobody really gets caught right away. You know, it's a buildup. And from the moment I started, dudes would test me and ask me privately if I wanted to make some money. When you, you, say, when you say dudes, COs or, or inmates? No, inmates, inmates, always inmates. You know, and, and they would see you around after a while and they'd be like, oh, yo, you know, Dominguez, man, cool. I'm going to try him out. I'm going to ask him, like, let's see how cool he really is, you know? And um, they they would probably ask me, yo, let's make some money. You know, you could bring a pack of cigarettes and make $500. And to me, it wasn't worth the risk of me losing all the shit that I worked for leading up to that point. So I would, I would brush it off. I'm like, man, I, I would be cocky about it because, you know, dudes... They're, they're street dudes, so the things we spoke about earlier about the, the jewelry, the nice cars, the, 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 the flashy clothes, these dudes are intrigued by that, just like right. I am intrigued by that. So I would, I would get cocky, and I was like, I don't need your punk-ass 500. I, that's how I would brush it off. I don't need your punk-ass 500. I would just see what's parked in the parking lot. Like, I, you know, like, that's not even my, what, my car what, note. What was, what was parked in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, around that time, I actually had a 2008 Dodge Charger. Okay, okay. And and then from there I traded that in and I got a a, a Cherokee, a 2013 Cherokee. Hmm. Okay. So now obviously there gets a point to when you're intrigued at least, right? There was uh, one yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um one guy in particular, man, that you know, he's been a, a familiar face from the moment I started. Um I noticed him basically again in the beginning of my career. He was extremely adamant and he just came at me about doing like this private detail, this private security detail, telling me, yo, you don't got to bring in nothing, man. I'm not like these dudes. I really make money out there. Ask about me. I'm from Washington Heights. My name ring bells in there. And he was cocky too. He's like, yo, you know my name ring bells in here. You know, the officers were, 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 took a liking to him and the inmates respected him. So, it took a while, but after him being so adamant, my diligence lowered because, again, this inmate was just known through the building. He was a heavy hitter inside and outside of Rikers. Uh, obviously, without, you know, doing anything where we would both feel uncomfortable, um, describe this guy. What, is, what, is, what does he look like? What is his demeanor? 
Um, because you know, how is the charisma, the charm? Because you gotta have all of that for for to be able to move that. that way. Of course, of course, of course. You know, um, it's just like being in a club. Like you could tell who the baddest chick is from what she's wearing. That she's attracting people. You know, like she's got her hair done a certain way. She's wearing a particular dress. You know, like those those stuff stand out. And just like um, in prison, certain things that a regular inmate might not have access to. For one particular inmate to have access to that, that means he's got some sort of juice. Mm. That means the correction officers are allowing him to rock because he's a favorite or he's been there long enough where, you know, their their um due diligence is lowered. And when he gets on the visit and his girlfriend comes and she has a a, a, a gold chain on and he leaves with that gold chain, they're like, all right, fuck it. You know, that's, you know, for example, that's Dominguez. Let him rock, you know? Gotcha. So this dude, he had all of that. And he will walk the holes freely enough because he's been fighting his case there for four years. So he's familiar with faces. He's seen officers turn into um captains. Wow. He's been there long enough where everybody knows him. Like, wow. you know, he's had every work detail possible. He's been in every housing unit. He's probably calmed down, uh, you know, rival gangs and riots and prevented things from happening and uh, allowing officers to do their job. and. Officers were respecting that, and that's exactly what this inmate had. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I don't think that's things that are addressed. But it's it, it, like you said, he allowed officers to do their jobs. He calmed down. Think like how essential is that? Or, or it's very essential. Yeah. It's extremely essential because you're doing half the work that you're supposed to. Like he'll, you know, you'll have a captain come in and be like, "Yo, this dorm is extremely dirty." And the, the captain will come at you. Why aren't you uh, allowing these inmates to clean, uh, you know, do this and do that? And once that captain leaves, you don't even got to get up. He's already rounding four or five guys up. Yo, grab a, a, a broom. Grab a slop. Uh, 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 grab a mop from the slop sink. Uh, you know, pressure wash the bathroom. Yo, get the Clorox and do this and do that. And you're like, oh, shit, like this dude's doing it. Some inmates do that because they have nothing else to do. So they, you know, they take that within themselves as like a, a sort of a leadership. Mm. And he had those leadership qualities. So now, so now when, when does this interaction become business between I you and this inmate? Ironically, like three days prior to him actually asking me like the very last time, he asked me in a total of four times, I want to say. Um, I was doing a vacation relief. I was working for another officer because that officer was going to, in return, work for me a few weeks later. I worked the midnight shift, which is not a shift that I worked in, being that I had my housing area, you know, the restrictive uh, shoe that I had. Right. So I go and I do the detail, and it's a sanitation detail. So when I get the names for the inmates I got to go pick up after roll call, after, you know, being debriefed, I'm like, oh, shit, is this dude. So I go, I pick them up from his housing area. Mind you, it's 11, 30, 12, 15 in the morning, you know? So nobody's in the hallways, you know, civilians aren't out, officers are in the housing area. It's not as busy. So I go and pick him up. He's the only one at that housing area. I got to get two more guys that are in another housing area. And he, he gives me this number. He's like, yo, in Spanish, because the dude is Dominican. He goes, yo, and now, you know, I'm Dominican and Colombian. So, okay. you know, that probably... That probably gave it like an extra plus, you feel me? Not right. not not to be like single out racist or nothing, but of course. You, you a little more comfortable with your people. Of course. You know, we all are. So um 
he hands me this piece of paper when we're off the camera and he's so knowledgeable of where the cameras are because he's been there for so long. So he gives me this piece of paper and he tells me in Spanish, yo, holla at my boy, man. He just wants you to drive him around. You got a badge, man. You got a gun. That's really what he's asking you for. You know, that's really what I'm asking you for. You make some bread out there for yourself. And that's it. You don't got to do nothing in here. I'm not asking you for no punk ass cigarettes or nothing like that. So what is that? paper in my pocket. What did that bread look like? Without counting your pockets, like you know, what I mean, but at that time, what what did that bread looking like? And what he verbally told me was fifteen hundred dollars okay. to drive this dude from you know Washington Heights uptown all the way to Forty Second Street to a parking lot. Okay. And how so often? Like, how often are you doing this? He told me verbally again before I even called the number that he gave me. He said, "Yo, you do this a few times a week, bro. Like you get your bread out there, man. Like I'm trying to look out for you. You know, you're Dominican. You're young." You you a good dude, and I'm just giving you an opportunity. It's up to you to take it. How so old like, is he? Yeah, he's two years older than me. So okay, right now okay. He, he you know he's not he's not an older older guy. Okay, gotcha. You know, and um, I'm I brush him off, man, because I'm like, yeah, man, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm not trusting nobody at this time. Right. But then I'm home and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, yo, man, like this dude's been in this building for so long, like. He got no no characteristics of a rat or of a dude that'll line a dude up. He he's got respect in there. Like he's never given me an issue. Um, let me just call this number, man. And I call a number, and that's it. It started. It was history from then. So how? So he told you a few times a week, fifteen hundred a pop. What is it? What does it actually end up being? When I actually set up a, a, a time and place to meet up with this dude, which ends up being his younger brother. Mm -hmm. I go and I do exactly what he told me. Pick him up uptown. The reason why they, they, they I guess, um, uh, uh, gave me up on an offer was because, you know, I got a badge and a gun. Mm. And I knew, I knew what I was getting into once I met up with dude because he came out with a duffel bag from the building that I picked him up at. Right. And I'm like, yo, what are we doing? At that time, I'm shitting bricks. I'm nervous as fuck. Because I don't know if this is a setup right away. I don't know what's going on. I'm just I'm just after this bread. That That's what called me in. That's what reeled me in was the bread. That that, that greed of like, you know what? I can make $1,500. Where it cost me two weeks of work, 80 hours a week to make $1,500. That's exactly. <laughs> right. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. Well, let me, ask, let, a let me ask you this. The fact that you would risk that, what was... You know, I back just, to what I asked earlier um, to set set up the other part. What was the, you know, what was the soundtrack back then? What are you, what is the family life if there is one? What is the relationship like? Is there is, is there a reason that you feel like risking this is worth the 1500 At that time, I had just recently, remember my goal was to move out of my mom's house. Mm -hmm. I, got like, I got like two and a half, three years on the job now. Gotcha. So, you know, I'm, I'm financially comfortable. Um, my pay raise has has gone has gone up. I didn't hit top pay yet, but my you know I'm I'm getting there. A um, lot of city no, island dates, a lot of little city uh, island linkups. Too many, too, <laughs> many too, too many to count. I felt like the guy at uh, Johnny's that was doing the Henny Colada do my name, man. <laughs> you feel me? So a lot of seafood I'm, city linkups on the sunny days. Everything, everything. Yeah, strip clubs, everything. You what know, what what are what mind. are the strip clubs? What are the strip clubs popping at this time? At your uh, yeah, at your peak, like right before you, right before you accept this role with this guy. Just still, when you're just 
CEO Dominguez making this legal bread. You're on the city island moves. What are the popping strip clubs? Where you at? Perfection and Starlet. And right, perfection because you just, right, perfection starlet because you from you in Queens, so yeah, they right I'm, there. I'm from Queens, so that's the backyard. Yes. And then La Marina was just brewing. That was when know? it was when it was just opening. It was just flickering, you yeah. know, like the fire wasn't there yet, you know. And what is the scene like? What what is that scene like? Like what and, and yeah, what is that scene like? And this is a three parter, right? So what is that scene like? Just walking in or just that that nightlife scene? What is it like then? What is your stature, like, what is your stature in that scene? Like, are you known or are you known? And then what is, is your... prior to right. me no, getting this money? Prior, or, prior, just when you're going up there as regular CEO Dominguez. Um, you know, excuse my language, man, but I used to tell people having a gun on your hip is like having two dicks. Wow. Nobody's, nobody's fucking with you. And if they want to fuck with you, you can fuck with them twice as hard. Wow. You get the you get the metaphor? Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't don't listen, man. Like I, I got a gun on me, a legal gun on me, where if even if I shoot first, I'm justified. And that I think gave me the biggest power. And no, they didn't start calling me Stevie Guns because I became a correctional officer. <laughs> I was Stevie Guns before that. Right. I had infatuation with weapons before that. Gotcha. But, um uh, do you be so do you lose yourself in the gun? Do you lose? Do you lose yourself in the power? Do you become what we, not to be disrespectful to anyone, but do do you you know become what we like to call like? Are you RoboCop? Like, are you always looking for a fight because you got the gun, or are you just letting? No, are you just I knowing have, it could I get crazy? Confidence to 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 know that I could control a situation more than most. Got you. That's how I felt. So when I would you know, because I was going to Starless and 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 Perfections in Uptown prior to me being a CEO, but I was spending my hard work money. Mm. And I didn't have a gun, so I didn't have that that ego, you know? But once the money and the badge and the gun all molded together and became me, I was, I was in my mind, I was unstoppable. Mm. Like, I thought, you know, around that time, you know, going back to your question of uh, what song was... was yeah, what was, the, what was the soundtrack at this time? What was the soundtrack? Rick uh, Ross BMF. Wow. So now let's talk about right. So now let's talk about you take the offer, you're there that day. What is that cuz you already said like he 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 brings out he comes out in a duffel bag, he's shitting bricks. You can't tell if this is set up or not. That yeah, he's so he's so comfortable like you know like they do this, you know, like this is right this is their regular daily routine. He sees me, he tells me roll the window down, he goes, "Yo, uh I forgot what he called me in Spanish, but it was just like, yo, that's you, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, pop the trunk. You know, everything is in Spanish. Mm. So I'm like, all right, I popped the trunk. I had the Cherokee at the time, the car, the the, the trunk opens. Mm -hmm. He throws the bag in there, hops in the passenger seat, gives me a dab. Yo, what's good, bro? Everything good? Yo, chilling. Yo, listen, we're going to go to right here at the 39th Street and 10th Avenue. There's a little parking spot there. I'm going to drop this shit off. You drop me back, and that's it, my nigga. We good. Get on the West Side Highway, we chilling. You in and you out. We could be done in half an hour, bro. I'm trying to get I'm, I'm trying to get lit tonight, so let's get this over with. Mm. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm chopping it up with him in the car. He's telling me, he's showing me bitches on his phone. He got jewelry on. He got a nice little Rolex. He got sweatsuit. He looked like a regular dude, you know? You remember what you were wearing? I had a sweatsuit. I had a polo sweatsuit, uh, uh, a navy blue with the with the yellow horse joint. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice, little, nice little Macy's pickup. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, regular. yeah. Nice you little know, regular Macy's pickup, right? Either because I don't, I don't know what's about to happen. Got you. You know, and I'm not trying to be super bummy either because I don't want to make it seem like you know you don't I'm want it to look, do it right. Myself. Are you so so? There's a part of you that's still trying to impress, or is it trying to impress or trying to look like we're on the same level? Trying to look the part and Got trying you. to like basically prove like, yo, listen, I'm not a street street nigga, but I'm a street nigga too. I'm just trying to get my bread up. Got you. What were you prepared to do that day had things going awry? Or did you not I, think about that? I tried my hardest not to think about that. My hardest. I had my gun on me, of course. I tried my hardest not to have things go left. And they didn't. You know, thank God they didn't. He got out the car. I didn't have to get out the car. I didn't have to touch anything, bro. I didn't have to go and, yo, go to the fifth floor and drop this off. He's the one that did everything. He met up with a dude, got in the car, came back out, no duffel bag in hand, got back in the car. He kept telling me on the drive back home, yo, you see how easy this was? I dropped him off on his block. He gets out the car, and I'm like, yo, this nigga's not paying me? He gets out the car. He's like, yo, give me a minute. He lights a cigarette. He goes into his pocket. He takes out two knots, and he throws them on the passenger seat. He goes, yo, in Spanish, I'll see you later, big bro. You already know I'll probably see you in a few days if everything goes well. Right. And I'm going to tell such and such that everything went well when he called me tomorrow. Got you. And I'm like, all right, cool. I, I get out that block as fast as possible. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, yo, I don't know who's watching this dude. I want to get out of here. Even though I got a badge and they're not going to search my car, there's nothing in my car to search. I want to get out of here. Because I, 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 for me, it was Mission Impossible, and I completed the mission. Mm. So, now so on the drive home, mm -hmm. I turned the light on in the car. I'm on the Grand Central at this time. I'm crossing the Tribal Bridge, and I look at the knots, and I've seen money before. I'm not, you know, uh, it's not the first time I've seen a knot of money. There were right. two knots, and I'm, like, trying to count it and drive it at the same time. Like, I'm hype, and I'm psyched about it, you know? Like, I'm like, yo, man, like, I just got this bread. I'm thinking it's 1500 Right. It was four racks. Wow. How long would it and have taken you to make four racks? Four, four tangible racks. Like not. This, I'm talking about after taxes. How long would it have taken you to make four racks at work? Probably five weeks. And you guys I'm get paid bi-weekly. We get paid bi-weekly. Gotcha. Remember, I'm a single male at the time, so, so you're getting taxes ta out the ass. Ta taxes are taking my throat out. You know. Wow. So I finally park up in front of my crib and I'm counting this bread and I counted it like five times. And I'm even looking at it. I turned the light on to make sure that they weren't counterfeit. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, four racks. Like he told me it was 1,500. And then, again, from there was history. I, I, after meeting up with his brother a few times, I kind of got a little nervous when he was just like, yo, you got to meet my aunt. She's going to link up with you because I got to go to PA and do this and do that. But I'm so comfortable in what I'm doing that I'm like, ah, right, yeah, fuck it. I meet up with the aunt a few times. Yo, listen, meet up with my daughter. I'm meeting up with this dude's entire family, and we're transporting work. What type of work? I don't know. Was there guns in the car? I don't know. Could it have been, uh, you know, a bomb in the car? I don't know. Did you I'm care? Not, I'm not, I'm not touching these things. The reason why I'm here is because I'm an officer, I have a badge, and I have a gun. And they wanted that security and that protection. If everything that he told me I was going to do is exactly what I'm doing. So now, how long before you make the change and you type... Well, no, before that. Now, this you're doing this on the outside, so you're 
you're building a rapport with the family. I'm guessing, like you're driving yes. with them. So I'm obviously yes. you know yes. the family yes. of yes. rapport. They 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 invited me to the the people's restaurant. Yo, whenever you go here, you know, let them know that you're such and such uh, man's, and you know they'll look out for you. Or yo, if you go to this lounge and party, um, let me know, text me beforehand, and I'll tell them that you're on your way. Like I'm creating like a relationship with these people. Okay, so now you have this relationship. So what is your relationship like with the plug or whatever you want to call them on the inside? This is this is where, you know, things take a slight turn. I, I didn't get to see this dude because of the way my schedule was and where his housing area was for over a month. But he knows that I still keep in contact with his family because he reports to them. Mm. You know, yo, what's up with, you know, whatever name they gave me over the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, nah, he's good. I just saw him yesterday. We did a drop off. Everything went cool. He got paid. And I said, I'm probably going to see him this day. And it, w- it was like that. I was talking to him without talking to him. And then one day when I go and meet the aunt, she's like, yo, uh, such and such needs to talk to you in person. And I'm like, well, it's going to be hard, man, because, you know, I got to get to that side of the building. And, you know, I don't want to make shit hot. And they're like, yo, he really needs to talk to you. Like, bad. Like, it's, it's serious. So I'm I'm like, damn, what the fuck could it be? Like, what was going on? Like, I didn't think we had to talk anymore. You know, I didn't think I had to run into him and, and do anything. Luckily for me, I had to do the yard that day because I got stuck overtime. Mm. Who's in the yard? This dude. Does so it feel like a by, movie, these interactions it, with you and him? Like, you're it, in the yard? It, 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 feel, that's that's how I felt. It felt like, it, you know, I was a, a, um, a, a meal, basically, and... <laughs> I was just like trying to get this money and get out the game, and this dude is like basically a puppet master, mm. you know. So, so now I see you, this dude yeah, in the you yard, see him in the yard. Quick. Uh, the housing area goes back. He stays in the back of the line. He tells the dude that he was congregating with in the yard. So yo, like pull back. I gotta highlight this dude. The officer that I'm working with is brand spanking new, so he don't know what's going on. I tell him, yo, lock the house in. Um. I got to talk with this dude outside real quick about something outside the housing area. He's not looking at it like, oh, that's suspect. He's like, all right, yeah, definitely. You know, let me know when you want me to open the door. And I'm like, yo, what's up with you? And he's like, yo, bro, listen, man, I'm fucked up in here. I'm like, what do you mean you fucked up in here? He's like, yo, I got a bad cigarette habit, man. I need I need to smoke, man. You don't smoke. You ain't got no, no cigs on you. And I'm like, nah, man, I don't smoke. He's like, yo, do me a favor, man. When you see such and such, because I know that's your housing area, this is one of the dudes that, I work in the box, right? But there's a house right next to the box. And he's talking about a dude. Again, I've been in the building long enough where I know guys' handles, you know? Right. So he's telling me, like, you know, for example, yo, go see Mouse. He's in um, Three Main. When you see him tomorrow or whatever day you come back and you could, give him four packs of Newports from me. He's going to see me at Catholic Service later on. Mm. That way you don't got to come all the way to my house and make shit hot. And I'm like, whoa, bro. Like, I don't, you know... How can I tell this dude I don't do that? Right. Where he just put me on to making this amount of money in the in the month that I worked with him alone, I probably counted like twenty four thousand dollars. How can I tell the dude that put me on to game that I got twenty four k of savings in my pocket because of that I can't bring him four packs of cigarettes? So I'm justifying that, and I tell myself. Later on in the day when I go and buy the pack of cigarettes at 7-Eleven in Long Island because they're cheaper. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what they say. I, I don't smoke, but that's what they say. I caught the four packs of cigarettes, 
And I'm like, yo, um, in my head, I'm, I'm talking to myself, like, how the fuck are you going to bring this in? But then I'm, the part of me is like, yo, messy old smoke. You having cigarettes on you isn't hot. Mm. You know? He's not telling you to bring a, a bud or, or razors or none of that. He's telling you to bring something that the average CO that smokes has on his person. Mm. But I'm like, damn, four packs, that looks kind of hot, man. But I've been in the building long enough where when I go through the magnometer, because officers have to go through, you know, security yeah. measures too, it's not going to seem hot. It just seems like I'm keeping three packs in my locker and I'm keeping one on my person when I'm on my break. So that's exactly what I did. The dude that he told me to give to is also one of the dudes that cleans once everybody's locked in in the housing area next door. But up until this point, only you and him and his family knew about y'all's business only relationship. Us. So now only that you're us. giving the cigarettes to this other, other person, he's kind of looping someone else in, yeah? He already brought someone else in. Wow. But from what I heard and from what I saw throughout my paperwork is that they weren't co-defendants on this case. They were co-defendants on a federal case. Okay. So they, they knew each other from the street. Gotcha. They didn't meet each other on like Adana. So I guess he had that trust with him. Enough to tell him, yo, I got this CEO that's going to give you something in the mall. Pick it up for me. Distribute it. Give me my 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 share, and we go from there. Okay. So and now... that's exactly what happened for a very long time, for about six, seven months on and off. And then now I'm not even really dealing with the main dude that put me on. I'm dealing with the other kid that I'm giving the cigarettes to. Okay. Off the strength for him. From cigarettes, it evolves. He's telling me, yo, I need bud, man. Wow. I'm like, but I'm like, nah, bro. Let's see, now y'all doing too much. And he didn't threaten me, but he's like, yo, bro, like, we look out for you, my man. Like, he already knew the rundown. And this is, this is the, this is the Cody. This is the federal Cody, not the the guy that put you on. Because I see him more often being that my housing area is right next to Gotcha. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving him the stuff, you know, while I'll tell the officer that's working next door, like, yo, Tell such and such to come clean in front of my house um, with the mop and everything because my inmates can't lock out. They're, they're in the box. Got you. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to send them over right now. And I'll throw the shit in the garbage and he'll pick it up. And we had a, we had a system. That was just, I was so, just about to ask you, like, what is that interaction like? But you just yeah, answered it. Yeah, we had a system. Yeah. We have a system. Yo, Mouse, I need you to uh, go to go to Slap Sing and uh, mop this shit up for me. This shit look crazy. Yo, clean the bubble for me. And I'll throw that in the, in the garbage. He already, you know, was ahead of his time. He already knew what to do. Grab it, throw it in his sweats, bullshit clean, go back to his cell, and we off. We done. I got the shit off, and that's how it go. But now when he tries to graduate from the, you know, the from legal... From cigarettes to the bud. The, the, the legal backhoe that I'm, I'm allowed to have, right. he wants to go to bud. And I tell him, I, I press the brakes there. I'm like, yo, listen, man, I'm not bringing no bud. You know, you got canine unit that comes here randomly and searches y'all. I don't want the, the dog to come and smell me and, you know set a siren off and, and shit gets crazy from there. He's telling me, nah, this dude aunt is going to give you the bud. She's going to pack it well. And this is the aunt that I've done rounds with already. This is the one you have a, you have a relationship with. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yo, just hit her up. As soon as I get to my, my, my phone in the locker, because you're not really supposed to have your phone on your person, I already see a text from her. This wow. was already premeditated. She's like, yo, come see me after work if you can. I'm on this block right now. Wow. So I don't want to break that tie of that lucrative, you know, income that I have coming in, supplementing my regular CEO check that I'm going to cut everything off. Because now it's not just cutting everything off. 
these dudes could throw me under the bus and say, yo, you've been doing this for me if I don't comply. Right. So, so what is outside life like now? We covered what out life, what outside life was like before the money, before this business relationship, before this lucrative opportunity. Now that you've been doing this for what, a couple months, four months? You, you, about four you, months. For about four months, you done made 24 bands or, or more than that at this point. Um, yeah, way more than way that. More way than more than 24 than bands, four months in, now he's asking all that. But what is the outside life like? How has um, Stevie Gunn's outside life changed? Like like we were talking about, you know, you're still, you still got the bad still got the gun, but now you got all this money. It's party and bullshit on steroids, man. On steroids. Remember I told you that, you know, I would, I would dip and dab into the strip club scene. I'll go to my lounge and I'll buy a bottle, mm-hmm. one bottle that I could afford with a couple of friends. It's on steroids now. Now I'm the one, yo, I want VIP here um, on Thursday. Who I got to talk to? Yo, I want to go to Miami um, Memorial Day weekend, July 4th. Yo, I want to go to Vegas. I want to do this. I want to travel. I'm getting flyer. I bought a new car. I got a 6 Series. My mom's... What year is this? This is 2014. So what are you... What 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 is What's on the feet? What What's the sneaker collection looking like? Stupid, because I've always been a sneakerhead. I worked on Jamaica Ave when I was 14 years old. Okay. I've always been a, always been a sneakerhead. I, I you know, I, I even traded and sold sneakers when they used to have these sneakers events. Yeah, yeah, sneaker con and all that. Mm-hmm. All of that, all of that. Uh, soul Collector. Yep, yep. All these things. So I've always been a sneakerhead. So I, th- there's not a pair of Jordans that I didn't want that I couldn't buy. Whether they were uh, OGs or re-releases, you were getting your hands on them. Everything, everything, everything. What, now, everything now I that you, at the time. Now that you're getting this money, new whip, sneakers I'm galore. I'm buying jewelry now. I'm buying crazy jewelry that I didn't need. I'm being more flashy than usual. Let me ask and you again, this. Let me ask you this, because this is why I asked that question in the beginning. So now at this point where you can afford the type of jewelry you want, are, what is that? Like, what is that feeling when you're like, all right, I remember Kiss said this. Keep my keep my keep my jewels clean. All right, well I'm going to get them. What you going to get? You going to get the Cuban? Like what is that? Uh, what is that? What is that energy like? I bought. I had first bought these. Uh, like you know the Michael Jesus pieces. I yes, had bought yes. two of those. I bought a white gold one and a yellow gold one. And then I got my first presidential Rolex. No diamonds. I try to keep it classy. Yeah, yes, gotta keep then, it classy. Then then came the Cuban, then came the boogers in the ears, the sunflower looking shit. So shit was that was like thirty eight hundred, yep. four carat VVS, everything. I got an AP with no diamonds, and then I got the AP with the diamonds. Oh, so like you going, going crazy? I'm going crazy because I had the money and the finances to do so. What are the people around you saying? How are they? they or or did you change the people you're around? Because now you're in this criminal life. No, I, I really didn't change the people around me. A lot of my friends are still my friends to this day or have been childhood friends. Gotcha. So what are they and saying? I, the ones that know you, the they, ones that know, they ain't no way this this man is doing this on a CO budget. What's going on? That's what they, you know, didn't really question because they, they know that CEOs make money. It's called blood money because they're doing 16 hours a day, five days a week. Gotcha. But they know that correction officers could cake. It's the second agency that makes the most money in the city after sanitation. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of money with overtime. And they knew that I would do overtime. I would get stuck here and there. So they're they not really, like, questioning it. I had a few friends that were like, yo, bro, where, where the fuck this shit coming from? Like, I, I, took, the wrong, I took the wrong test. <laughs> took the wrong you know? test. 
I took the wrong test, and I'm just like, you know, like, yeah, man, it, it is what it was. At no like, point I did just, you want to bring anybody in? At, there was one point, and it's, it, it's funny you bring that up because I was going to get into that. I had one dude that I knew from just seeing him on and off. He had started about two years after me. He was fresh out. He had about a year and change on the job at this time. I have about three and a half. And this dude kept working with me, like, randomly. Like, he would be my A officer or my B officer. Likewise, you know, we, we got a rapport. And one day he's telling me, he's like, yo, man, I'm about to get kicked out of my little basement apartment. My girl's pregnant. Like, this bread ain't what I thought it was. Like, mm -hmm. he's giving me a sob story. And I'm just like, yeah, man, that shit is crazy. I let that go by, right? And then about two months later, I had an inmate that was uh, there for about a year and a half on an island. And I, I knew him from just be that year and a half. You know, you get familiar with guys. Right. They find their case. And he's like, yo, D, let me holler at you real quick. In my mind, I'm thinking this dude wants me to bring him something. Because now I feel like this dude is the, the guy we spoke about earlier right. telling everybody that I'm bringing shit in for him. And I'm like, yo, what's up? He's like, yo, um, you know such and such that was working with you last night? He's not here right now, but, you know, black dude that was with you? And I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. And he goes, yo, tell that dude to relax, man, because he's mad hot boy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, he tells me straight, he's like, yo, this dude bringing in shit for, for a nigga. I'm not going to tell you who, but he's mad sloppy with it, bro. He's going to make your house hot. Because remember how I told you that one side of my house was the box, the other side was a regular population? Right. He's working more on that side. And being that I am the escort officer in that house, that's my house. I see these guys more than anybody else. So he's like, yo, he's going to make your house hot. He keeps bringing in shit to niggas, and, and he's just sloppy and hot boy with it. So I didn't want to confront this dude right away. I let him work with me one last time. And when everybody locked in, I said, yo, you mind if I holler at you real quick? And he gave me a look like I already knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, like, like a look of like uncertainty, like, yo, well, what's up, man? Like, what's going on? Like, he knew it was negative. And I, I kept it real. I was like, yo, you bringing in shit for somebody? And he's like, nah, you crazy, man. I wouldn't throw away my career like that, this and that. And I told him a quote that it, it, my mom told me years ago, and she got it from somebody else. If you're going to do something wrong, make sure you do it right. Mm. And I told him that, and he just looked at me. And we stared at each other for like what seems forever. He's like, yo, man, I'm just trying to make a little side money, man. Like, I don't want to get evicted, bro. That's embarrassing that my girl's pregnant. I'm a correctional officer and I can't make these bread to even pay bills because I got student loans and, you know, my credit cards up. And I'm just like, yo, listen, I'm going to see what's up with something, man. Stop bringing shit into these niggas, man. And I'm contradicting myself at this time because right. in the back of my mind, I just gave something to somebody. Right. So but you I did. You myself, were doing it right. Right, because I knew how to do it. I maneuvered the, the, the system and I manipulated the same system that, that, you know, employed me. You know, so I'm, I'm like, trying to school this dude. Like, yo, you don't got to do that, man. I'm going to holler at somebody I know. I'm going to see if we could do something, man. And I told the aunt, and then I told the brother about this dude when he came back. I'm like, yo, if y'all want, we could expand, and, you know, it don't just got to be me. I got somebody else on board that's in the same position. I got a badge, I got a gun, he worked with me, he's trustworthy, and he's just trying to make a little bread. So they looking at it like, all right, cool, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, I'm down. I'm making their network bigger, because now they get to move around freely, and they get to move around with that security of having somebody with them. Right. So I, I, I mend those, those, you know, those people together, 
and then I see uh, the the dude again that that I met in the first place. Remember mm-hmm. the one that put you on first. The one that put me on. I get to see him again, and he gives me a head nod and a smile, like yo, everything good. And he's like, yo, he's trying to lip talk to me, like you know, he he wants me to make me read his lips, like yo, they told me what's about to happen, so you know. That's what's up. That's what's up. Let's get this bread. You know, and he's already. Is he doing that in English or Spanish? In Spanish. Okay. Everything is in Spanish because even though there's a there's a a huge, predominantly Spanish community, and black community in Rikers, not everybody speaks Spanish. Yeah, of course it's New York. You know, so he's happy because he's getting the 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 cigarettes and, and the bud and everything from his man that I throw off, and then he's making money on the outside. So he's happy. You know, he everybody's happy. About how much money you think, not did you make, but how much money do you think you made him overall? Or you never even knew that part of it. You never knew the transaction. I, I, I never knew that part of it because all I saw was duffel bags. I didn't open those Got duffel you. bags. I didn't know what. Remember, I, I told you before, it could have been guns. It could have been drugs. It could have been anything. So I wouldn't know, but I knew it was a lot because I'm meeting up with these cats three times a week, four times a week sometimes. The Khalif Brada is housed in Rikers when you're there, correct? Yes, and the ironic part of you bringing him up is that if you look closely at the officers, um, because, you know, they don't use mugshots in that documentary. Yeah. But they use the ID shot that you take when you get appointed as a correction officer. Mm Mm-hmm. Your first ID picture is the picture that um, they used for the Khalif uh, Browder incident when they started speaking about officers that have been arrested in a period of time throughout Khalif Browder's incident. Right. And you were there. And I was there. They blacked my eyes out, so I can't sue for defamation right. of character. I can't hit up Jay and be like, yo, listen, you're making it seem like I'm right. the one that put hands on Khalif Browder. I wasn't even in the same building as them. But was he was his story being circulated yet, or it didn't happen until after he no, got, got out? And, no, and, no, no. That story didn't come about till after I wasn't. So coming. nobody. So you don't even know. What, Not at all. Because right. you know the sad thing about the Khalif Browder story is that it's hundreds of Khalif Browder. Unfortunately, you're right. Absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, God rest his soul. You know, uh, I watched that um documentary in my cell in Clinton while mm. I was incarcerated. And it did a lot to me, not because I was shown in it for that one split second, because they showed every officer that has ever been in trouble within that period of time. So that's why my face came about. Gotcha. Um, so at one, po- at one point, you stopped dealing with the family. I do. I do. Um, that same night that I saw... The, the main dude that put me on, mm-hmm. I see him again in the morning time after doing a double. And he's at breakfast and he's trying to tell me like, yo, I got another number for you, but I don't know how I'm going to give it to you. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yo, stop fucking with my brother. That's, he didn't say his aunt. He didn't say his, 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 his cousin. He said, stop fucking with my brother. That nigga's doing some dumb shit right now. I got a number for you. Mm. And, and I'm like, yo, well, I'm, you know, did this, this lunch, did this uh, chow, you know, which is what breakfast, lunch, and dinner is right, called. Right, right. Uh, the, the lunchroom basically is packed with, with over 165 inmates and three officers. I'm not, I'm not going to go up to you and you're going to give me a number in front of these people. We're not that dumb. Right. So I'm like, I, I don't know what you want to do. He crumbles the number up and put, and throws it on the seat that's next to him that's, that nobody's sitting at. And he's like basically telling me, yo, when we get up, 
try to pick this up on the low and call this number. He's telling me this from across the hall, but I'm understanding what he's saying, you know? Got you. So I do exactly that, and I see it's another phone number. No name, no nothing. But I, I remember him telling me vividly, like, yo, stop fucking with my brother. Don't call my brother no more. So Were you I'm and the brother like, close at this point? Y'all been making money, been working together for a while? Was that a been, ho- been running around making money. He had left for a little to, to PA from what he told me. And, you know, I was I was plugged in with the aunt that was also, uh, you know, I was driving. And then with her daughter that I was driving, too. Got you. What's your you dating know, he, life at this time? When you got all this money, all these changes is happening, what's your dating life like? Uh, like a regular date? No, dating. Dating. Like, what's your dating oh, life? dating. I'm, I'm running through chicks. Like, like, you know, like, if I'm not feeling you next, it's like, you know, <laughs> my ego is huge, man. Again, yeah. you couldn't tell me nothing. It's like I had money. In my eyes, I had power. I had a nice car. I got fresh. I, I was well-known at parties and lounges and strip clubs and La Marina and Uptown and anywhere I went, you know? And I would go to Miami and, you know, I see cats that I knew there and I would ball out with them. We would go to live. We would go to bed. We would go to, you know, club bed. Yeah. Um, we we would go to all these functions. And, and you know, I, I was networking with people that, that you know, Different walks of life, party promoters, uh, you know, street dudes, uh, uh, ball players, rappers. Who, like, who I, is I'm someone? That, who is someone that you admired that this life enabled you to come across and like come into contact with? Um, one of my best friends that I lost, man, uh, Stephen Rodriguez. Uh, you know, known to the public as Asap Yams. That yeah. was my right hand man. Wow. That was that was one of my best friends, like literally, you know, my bet one of my best friends. Like we met in two thousand and six, I wanna say. Mm. And we've been best friends ever since. Like we, you know, I saw his transgression from struggling to get this group together, which is, you know, ASAP yeah. up to, to to building his brand and, and I admired him for that because he, he's somebody I know that Never had a job that, you know, never sold drugs, but try to do things the right way. But by trying to do things the right way, he also struggled a lot, but it, it worked out for him because all that hard work came to, you know, what he got to be. Absolutely. And his, and his vision came apart, you know, um, his vision became exactly what he wanted it to be. Okay. So now you now you you get this number, you call it, now you are moving directly with the, who, who was on the other side of the number? So I called the number, man, and I could tell off the off rip that this dude didn't speak English. Cause mm. I'm like, yo, what's yo, what's going on, man? Um, such and such told me to call you. I don't know if you're familiar with, you know. Yeah. And he's he's trying to like break down words, like he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, see, uh, and I'm like, yo, you speak Spanish? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked to him in Spanish. Me being Dominican and Colombian, my father's Dominican, my mother's Colombian. I'm good on accents. So mm. I automatically can tell this dude is Colombian because, you know, half of my family's Colombian. So I could pick up on the accent quick, you know. Puerto Ricans don't speak like Dominicans. Dominicans don't speak like a Colombians, you know. Mm. So, you know, being a, a Latino myself, I could I could differentiate. So I'm like, oh, you Colombian? He goes, yeah, yeah, what's going on? He told me a lot about you. When, when would you want to link up? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm about to go on vacation uh, for about nine days. And this, at this point, I was going to Vegas. And I'm like, I'll call you when I come back. He goes, oh, man, you can't meet me before. And I'm like, yo, listen, my flight is tomorrow morning at 640. 
Uh, it's 9 p.m. right now. He goes, where are you? And I'm like, well, I live in Queens. He's like, oh, I can meet you right there, you know, on Queens Boulevard. Uh, how long is it drive for you? If you want, I'll even come to your house. I'm like, oh, I don't want you around my neighborhood. I don't know, you know. Uh, where you want to meet? Oh, let's meet at this Colombian restaurant. And you're familiar with it? And, of course, me being from Queens and being Colombian, right. I, I know exactly what you're <laughs> right, talking about. Right. So I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll meet you there. So I meet him there. I get there before him. And he's late. He tells me that, you know, to be there at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, yo, man, the restaurant's about to close at 11.30. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? I text him. He didn't answer. Then he called me back. He's like, yo, I'm parking right now. As he's talking to me, he doesn't let go of the phone. So he goes in. He goes, what are you wearing? I said, oh, I got a black shirt on, black sweat. And he sees me. I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, tattoo, noticeable tattoos. And he goes, all right. I see this dude, bro. He's about 45 years old. <laughs> he's got on, like, this Hawaiian shirt, busted open. He got the taco meat out with the little cross chain on. Not a flashy dude. He looked like one of my uncles, man. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. He sits down. He sits down and he goes, "What's going on? My name is, you know, this." And I'm like, "All right." He goes, "Yo, um, what? When? When did you say you were coming back?" I said, "I come back the 17th." He's like, "All right, you, you would you want to work the 17th or you want to work the 18th? Talk to me because there's money to be made. And if you think that." You know, uh, this dude's brother, because I guess he knew. He mm -hmm, knew them. Mm -hmm. If you think this dude's brother is, is you know, paying you, I'm going to really hook you up. And I'm, you know, he's reeling me in. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, like, I got you. But you got you to gotta be on, basically on call for me. And I'm like, well, you know, I do obviously work. You obviously have me here because you know what I do for a living. He's like, yeah, yeah, he told me, he put me on. That's the reason why I really want to fuck with you and I want to get this money. So keep my number. When you come back, let me know the day before you fly in and I'll tell you where to meet me, what time to meet me, and we take it from there. What was the he's like, yo, go ahead. He, he, go, he goes, yo, um, one thing about me, we're not driving in your car. We're driving in my car. And he walks off. And he just goes, all right, it's um, a move. It's what did a move. you get? Yeah, he's like, yo, what did you get to eat? And I'm like, I didn't get to eat anything. I just got this drink right here, this this uh, fruit smoothie. He's like, all right, I got it. Goes up to the girl. You know what's crazy that I pay attention to detail so much? He points at the table, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek, and they go, all right, cool. He doesn't pay for my drink. And then when I go to ask for the bill, she tells me he paid for it. But he didn't make any physical transaction. Mm. So I'm thinking, damn, this in my head, uh, like you said, it's a movie. I'm thinking, yo, he probably owns this fucking restaurant. And you've been coming here, and you know about this spot. You've been and eating I know here. That it's a it, jumping spot. Wow. So what was that? Because because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, um, take up too much of your time. What is that first? What did that first drop or that first interaction like with him, with the new guy? I meet up with him for the very first time when I come back from Vegas. He's got a brand new Dodge Durango, 2014 Dodge Durango, mm -hmm. souped up. Souped up. He got TVs in the back and everything. Remember, he told me from before that he doesn't want to get in my car like everybody else does. He wants to drive in his own shit. I'm going to be driving, though. He gets out the car. He sees my car. He goes, oh, yeah, I was going to get a Cherokee, too. How hard are they on gas? He's making small talk mm -hmm. in Spanish. I get in the car with him. He, he hands me the key. I go around. I, I push the button to start. It's some SRT shit. I'm like, yo, this shit is nice. I could tell he got money. You know, aside from how he dressed and how he carried himself, he got he got a brand new car. Right. That shit looked fresh out the lot. You know, it still had the papers on the on the bottom of the floor that say put your feet here. <laughs> brand new, brand new. <laughs> brand new, stinking brand new. And then I look at the mileage, the shit has four thousand miles on it. The shit car's brand new. 
And, you know, we just have a small talk with part of Colombia. You found this and that. He goes, yo, listen, man, I'm going to tell you something because you're Colombian. He didn't know I was half Dominican. I got you. He goes, he goes, these Dominican dudes are funny, man. Just fuck with me, man, for real. So already he's trying he, to snake you. He's trying to snake me. And I'm, I am i didn't like that vibe. He like, you know. You didn't like that vibe because you were loyal to, to the guy who put you yeah, on that Rikers? Yes. And gotcha. so much on on the simple tip of like, yo, like, why you got to tell me that? Like, I'm just doing something here that has nothing to do with y'all. And then he brings up the fact, yo, this dude's brother is a shicey dude. You know, that's why he's telling you not to fuck with him. And that's why I don't fuck with him. So he's kind of showing me like, you know, they have some sort of familiarity with each other. Okay. He's like, I'm, he's, and then he basically at the end of it tells me I'm the one that gives these niggas everything. So now that you fuck with me, you good money, you're still going to make him bread on the side. I'm still going to make sure he's good inside. So don't worry about it. There's mm. no beef. And I'm like, all right, cool. No problem. Pick him up. We go from, uh, uh, I meet him again at the restaurant. I didn't go inside. He didn't go inside. But I meet him like on the corner of the same restaurant that I met him at the first place. He's like, yo, listen, we're going to go to Yonkers. And I'm like, oh, man. All right, yeah, all right, cool. Everything's already in the car. Just go out, get on the driver's seat, and, and we're on our way. I do that. I do the drop-off just as smoothly as it's always been. He gets out. He gets a duffel bag. He meets this dude that looks like Rick Ross, man. Hmm. In a G-Wagon, a white, cocaine white G-Wagon. He parks right across from us. They talk. I can see them talking in the car. He gets out, he gives him a hug, gets back in the car, he goes, all right, yo, you can drop me off back at the um, restaurant. Drop him back off at the restaurant. How much money do you think I got that bank? 7K. Golly. And I'm like, yo, this is God. two, 3K. This is two, 3K more than I get on a regular run with this dude. And I did the exact same thing. And we got there faster because it was already nighttime. Like, I'm getting used to this, bro. All right. Well, th that brings me to my. Let's talk about the day it, it it all hits the fan. Well, prior to it all hitting the fan, the same dude I put on. Remember? Yep. The the the, the the one who the needed. Officer. Yeah, the officer that was trying to avoid being I, a victim. Yeah, yeah. I bring it up to this dude and I tell him straight up, like, yo, I got somebody, you know, very trustworthy. I give him the same rundown that I did the other the mm -hmm. other chick. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, definitely bring him on. And we do a run, one run together. He gets three racks. I get the same seven racks I got the first time. Gotcha. He's loving. He's loving it. He's low. He's like, yo, what? I was getting three, four hundred dollars for a pack of cigarettes, and I got three k for just driving. Right. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. We went in separate cars that day. He went in his own car. I went in my own car, and just, just you know, we we had a system. He only did it one time. The second time we were brought to do something else, we meet up on Dykeman and Broadway. He tells us to meet him there, the Colombian dude. He said, yo, make sure you're in separate cars because I need y'all to do two different things. I'm like, all right, cool. We get there. It's 8 in the morning, the day after Father's Day. This is June, June 23rd. 2014. 2014. This is Monday morning at 8 in the morning, the day after Father's Day. Again, he's late. I call him. I'm like, yo, what's up? Where you at? We've been here for like 25, 40 minutes. You know, 30, 35 minutes. He goes, yo, I'm on my way. He goes, matter of fact, don't meet me there because there's mad people there at this time. Meet me on 225th and Broadway at the Target parking lot. You and him. Mm. So I'm like, ah, yo, get in your car, get in my car, we go here. He's following me because he don't really know his way around uptown. So I take him there. We go up the ramp. It's Target. 
I see the car, but now it's um, not a Durango. It's a white, not, not a black Durango. It's a white Durango. He beeps the horn at me, flashes the lights, the signal that it's him. We park alongside each other. He goes, yo, listen, I'm going to give you this. He's going to get the other stuff that's in the car. I'm going to text you the address right now. When y'all both get there, let me know what's going on. So I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, yo, matter of fact, come get all the bags and stuff from my car, and then you can take it to your car. We're about four parking spaces apart. He tells me, he goes, yo, listen, don't fuck this up. That's a lot of work. Like, a lot of work. I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm going to pay you tomorrow. I'm not paying you today. I'm going to pay you tomorrow. In my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I, I trust you. You just gave me $14,000. Right? I trust you. <laughs> I trust you. Don't worry about it. I trust you. And if you don't pay me and don't want to call me again, that's fine. I'm fine with that too. Because I just made 14 grand off you. Say less. Say less. We get in the car. He, he, he pops the trunk open. He goes, yo, you take these two bags. You take these two bags. And he goes, yo, matter of fact, let me show you what's in the bag. Is this and your I'll first time you, seeing in the bag? The, this, this whole time you've been... Time, this is my first time actually seeing what's in the bag. And I'm like, why the fuck is he opening the bag? Remember, it's 8 in the morning. There's not a lot of people in that parking lot. Mm-hmm. And we're all the way at the end of the parking lot. So he opens the bag and he shows me and him what's in the bag. I see two bricks in my bag and mad other shit, mad Ziplocs, mad random sh- drug paraphernalia. And he opens the other my, my co-defendant's bag, the other officer's bag, and it's kind of like the same shit. Weed, pills, mad stuff. And mm. I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, cool, cool, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Just close the bag and let's get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, you know, like, I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't have to see that. Right. I never asked you for that before. I never asked anybody to show me what's in the bag. I bring that up because he did that for a reason. In you- court, in my documentation, it shows exactly what he did. So he showed me what I was doing. So that's why it's not, um, uh, you know, that's why I can't say I didn't know what was in the bag. Possible deniability showed... was gone. Exactly. So he showed me what was in the bag, what the bag contained. And that's why it was so hard to go to trial. And all the times we were in the car talking, chopping it up, all those um, conversations were recorded. Wow. My phone was tapped from January 2014 to June of 2014 when I got arrested. And why was so, that? Because the dude that put me on from the very, very beginning, the first inmate that put me on to making the bread with his brother, his aunt, and his cousin, and niece, and all that stuff, was trying to build a case on me to give to the feds to show, listen, I got one of y'all doing this for me. Let's set him up. Y'all get y'all slice, I get my slice, and I get time off of my bed if I help y'all out. And that's exactly what the mayor's office, the special narcotics office, the DEA task force wanted at the time that I got arrested. You want to know why? Because there was so much shit happening in Rikers Island that it was in the news 24-7 like no other year. People were committing suicide. Officers were getting cut and stabbed more than usual. Riots. Remember that riot that was shown in, mm-hmm. in, in the in the beacon against the Crips and yep. the Trinitarios? Yep. That stuff was being played back and forth. Officers were getting caught left and right that I didn't really pay attention to the news to see that it was happening, bringing in contraband, bringing in uh, 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 scapples and razors, bringing in phones for dudes. All this stuff was going on mid-2013 into mid-2014, and they were tired of it. They had a, a unit 
uh, Department of Investigations, which is the Inspector General's office that fights corruption and, and fights, you know, uh, bad use of forces on Rikers Island and oversees all that stuff. They were given um, a task to, like, show that they're working. You got to show the mayor that you're doing something. And I became the postal boy for that. I was lined up from actually, you know, moving, being able to move drugs for this dude on the outside. And the feds allowing him and allowing myself to be involved with that to get a notion of what it is that I was doing until they finally cracked down and built enough case and evidence to indict me and my co-defendant. Mm. And it wasn't just my co-defendant and me. The inmate that I was giving the um, uh, new pause and the marijuana to that I was giving him so he could give it to the dude that put me on. Right. Him and his girlfriend got indicted, and they're also my co-defendants. So he lined everybody up. And then to put the cherry on top, he didn't just line everybody that I just named. He lined up his brother, his aunt, and his niece. What? Oh, fuck. They had no clue that he had this whole mastermind to throw everybody under the bus in order to save himself. So that attempted murder that he was fighting and facing 15 to life for because it was his second felony, got reduced and the day I got indicted and arraigned the day after the shorty that I was uh, talking to at the moment I had her look up his name while I was um, you know uh, in bookings and when you look up his name on the New York City Department of Corrections website it may look up it said released he got released the same day I got indicted because he gave them what he what they wanted that's crazy that is crazy that's my story, man. That's crazy. Now, in, now during this time when you're in prison, because you, you didn't go to trial, you know, you took the plea, you go to prison. Yeah, I, I took the plea because I had so many counts pending against me. You know, the, the feds knew, aside from what they had on wiretaps, the stuff that I was doing prior. So they knew it wasn't just these two bricks that I was moving. I was moving bricks and whatever it was prior to. So they knew that already. So I had got hit, hit with a 19-count indictment. 19 counts of A1 possession, A1 criminal sale, conspiracy one, two, three, four, five, promoting prison contraband, uh, bribe receiving. I got hit with all these things because they were savvy to it. They knew what I was doing. Do you remember and what? If I, do you remember if what? I blue okay. trial, mm -hmm. If I would have blue trial, I would have got 32 years. That's crazy. And I didn't want 32 years. So I, I, was, I imagine. What was the? Lowest I could cop out to where they'll be happy enough. The first offer was 12. The second offer was 10. And I'm like, yo, I hope they go down. I hope they go down. The judge said it. Yo, listen, man. Cop out to these eight years or we'll go to pretrial hearing. Eight years is the highest charge, um, you know, with the A1 possession. Carries a minimum of eight years. And being that it's my first uh, felony and my first time getting in trouble, if I cop out to that, all the other underlining counts will go under and I would do eight years flat. And that's what I copped out to because if I were a blue trial, I would have got 32 years. Now, while you're in prison, somehow, some way, you become bunkmates with New York City's star angel, Bobby Schmurda. Bobby fucking Schmurder. That's my that's my, my my man's right there. That became my man's in uh, Westchester County. When he got kicked out of Rikers Island, um, when I got indicted and arrested, you know, my bail was five hundred thousand over seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bond. Mm. 
I had an extremely high bail because the prosecution and the um, the the DA's office proved to the judge that I was a fight risk because I had just came back from Vegas. Three uh, weeks before that, I was in Miami Memorial Day weekend. A month before that, I had went to Columbia with my moms. Three months before that, I was somewhere else in Cali. Or, you know, I was moving around. He was moving much. around, yeah. So they deemed me a flight risk. They can't not give me bail, so they gave me the highest bail possible for a drug charge, which is 750000 As much money as I made, I didn't have that, and I didn't have that in collateral. I didn't have property at that time. So I, I, I had to fight it from inside. Uh, being that I was still a correction officer until I was proven guilty and sentenced, because you're innocent to proven guilty, right? Depart- Department of Corrections can't fire me mm. until I'm uh, guilty of all charges. So you're still getting paid this whole time? No, I'm not. That's a misconception. I'm not getting paid. I'm suspended at this time without pay because mm. I'm pending investigation. But until I get sentenced, I'm still part of DOC. So uh, they couldn't house me on Rikers Island because I'm, I'm being housed amongst my peers. It's a conflict of interest. So what they did was they put me in Westchester County Jail. And uh, going back to the uh, Schmurter situation, um, he had got kicked out of Rikers because of his influence. Mm. You know, so they didn't want him there. So they begged Westchester County to take him, you know, take, get, let's get him out the city real quick, you know. So, so what is that first day? Who was who was in the who was in the bunk first? You or or Bobby? Like who? How did that? I, I was in Westchester County prior because remember I got locked up June twenty third. Um, Bobby came to Westchester County. I want to say in December of twenty fourteen. Mm. So I was already you know acclimated in, in Westchester County, fighting my case and going back and forth to court. Um, I was the trustee in, in in the house that I was in, which means that you know I I, I did the, the the meals, I did the laundry, I got everybody situated, I cleaned cells, I was able to move around, you know. So when he came into the housing area, that my house was a high profile house. So he came in, and you know, I, I, it's not the first rapper that I met. You know, I've been around stars before, so I'm like, yo, what's going on? Everything's good, chilling. Yo, listen, I'm gonna get you a setup, you get you a pillow, what else you need, and. From there, we just built a bond. We cooked together. We went on the visit floor together. We went on video visits together. I got pictures that I could show you. Right. Um. And you know, we we just made it. We we made it work because we both don't know our fate at this time. And then from when I got sentenced, he got sentenced three months after. And you know, again being high profile, I got sentenced to the eight years. He got sentenced to the seven. Anything after seven, you go to a max A facility. Mm. Um, they didn't put him and Rowdy together because, again, the conflict of interest. Rowdy went to another spot. So we both in Clinton Max, and, you know, being that we already had a, a, a prior friendship and relationship from Westchester County, we kind of uh, leaned on each other to, to get around. You know, we leaned, uh, since, again, I got there prior to him. I made sure he was good. He made sure I was good. We worked out together. We cooked together. We worked together. We worked in the mess hall together. We worked in commissary together. We just had a friendship. Anytime he got into a minor situation, a fight, or he got a, a, a an infraction from an officer for, you know, not doing something or whatever, and he would get uh, put on key block or go to the box, I would make sure that, you know, I would call uh, Mama Schmurder and I would right. be like, yo, Ma, listen, uh, Kiki's in the box right now, which is what his mom called. Mm-hmm. Yo, Kiki in the box, um, he gonna be out in 20 days. Uh, if you want, being that he can't go to the store, I'm gonna go to the store for him. And we'll take it from there. And we just looked out for each other. That's, that, that was my man. What, what what was it like acclimating from correction officer, runner, to now prisoner? Um, 
it was a gift and a curse, man, because I, I kind of had like prison and jail etiquette already. I already knew the do's and the don'ts. The you know that was the the gift. The curse was that it was just a, a shift in in my mental state. Like I was doing the count that Saturday, and then now I'm on the count Monday morning. You know that was that was a like a, a jaw dropper right there, man. And you know, I cried that night, man. A lot of people, a lot of dudes would be like, nah, fuck that, I held my own, this and that. I cried that night because of all the shit that I know was going to, you know, domino effect because I'm locked up. My mother's going to go through it. My friends and family are going to go through it. Um, officers are going to talk about me. They're going to look at me like a bozo. My even uh, friends and close associates are going to say I'm stupid. I threw away a great career. What was I thinking? You know, so a lot, a lot was going through my mind, man. What was the relationship? What was the fallout with the the your mom? Um, you know, my mom is 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 gonna be my mom forever. You know, she's gonna judge me, but she's probably the only one that's allowed to. You know, so I kind of I kind of let her down. I told her that you know, I uh, I just had a, a a weak moment, man. I had a, a, a extremely weak moment, and my um my aspiration became desperation at one point and you know i apologize to her till this day um i lost my grandmother my last year of my incarceration i lost yams my first year of incarceration and you know i i just went through it in so many different ways that you know she finally one day on the visit was like yo listen i might have never told you but just know that i forgave you we all make mistakes i just hope that you learn from this and we could build from this and, and move forward lastly you come home, you're home now. You got a, what some would say is a, an amazing second chance. Um, what what amazing. what what do what do you want, young kids that that young, kid being, well well yeah what do you want that young kid being influenced by, whatever he's being influenced by to want these things and, and, and maybe entering the DOC now, what well, is in general, it? In general, don't don't let don't let greed blind you, man. Like the money will come. It might not come as fast as you want it, but it'll come. You just gotta focus on it. Don't don't try to go the easy route, you know. Um, some people don't have a choice, and you know, I had a choice, but I still went the I, I still went left. I didn't go right, you know. Right. Um, I I I played into like a a, a lifestyle that I didn't have to go through, but I chose to go through, and if you have a chance and, and you know that you don't have to do this, don't do it, man. It's not worth the risk. The risk, you know, Stack Bundle said the risk is not worth your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I, I hold that dearly now. And, you know, I made terrible mistakes and I've asked God for forgiveness, friends and family for forgiveness, all the shit I put them through, you know, uh, good has come out of this. I, I've become more aware. I've become more mature. Um, I don't take things for granted like I did before. And I would never put myself in that predicament. So I got to learn from that situation. I came home fortunate enough to a, a, a decent job. I just signed out of work release. I was in work release. I didn't get to that part. I was in work release all the way up to March 3rd. So I've only been free kind of because I'm still on parole mm -hmm. for no, you know, no more than, than 60 days yet. Mm. You know, and then it, it, ironically, we're, we're going through this COVID-19 quarantine situation where, you know, we... I'm restricted about the stuff that I planned on doing when I did get released. Right. Those those, th those things are on hold now. 
but that's okay, you know. I'm taking this time just like I took the time of those five and a half years of incarceration. I took that time to to better myself and and make this negative um uh, experience become a positive one. Well, an amazing story. Um, Definitely. So speak, speaking of stories, not to you know, I don't want to interject. And of course, of course, off, of course. I wrote a book and I wrote a screenplay while I was incarcerated based on Rikers Island, not so much based on my actions, but, you know, because I'm just a piece of that pie, I'm just mm-hmm. a grain of salt when it comes to that that world. But I, I wrote a book that's being published. Uh, hopefully um, it gets edited and, uh, you know, it gets out there fall of 2021. It's called Across the Bridge, the Rikers Island story. And I also have a screenplay um, that I want to put out there. I want to see if you know, any major production uh, uh, company would want to uh, fuck with me. Um, I educated myself on how to write screenplay formats. This is trial and error. I had a 1986 typewriter in my cell, and I just came to stories and put everything and implemented all the stuff that I saw that I witnessed, the violence, the drugs, the sex, the corruption, all the stuff that happens on Rikers Island. I put it in a screenplay, and hopefully it becomes a series one day. Hopefully... Mouse is driving home one day, like, damn, it's Sunday. I'm about to miss across the bridge. I, I got to see that. Nah, you already know how this going to go. We we spoke offline already. Like, it, it, it was yeah. just a matter of time for we, you know, there's so many good people in between the two of us. I'm actually happy, uh, you know, we got to do this. But, yeah, you know how this going to go. You got my 100% full support on whatever it is that you do and in, in whatever you know, platform I'm do, I have. I'm going to do, like, like, like you've noticed throughout this whole conversation, I want. I like when everybody eats, man. I'm not a selfish dude. Clearly, clearly. You know, and it, it, you know, it fucked me up a little bit, but I know it, it's gonna come for better. You know? Right, right. It, it, it was just, you know, um, I, I don't know how spiritual you are, but you know, extremely, God, extremely. So, so we know that you know, God never blesses something that's out of order, right? Extremely. So extremely. now, so then you were out of order, but now that you're in order and you're doing things yes. properly, He's gonna bless yes. you. So. You know, yes, there's, yes, yes. There, you were not even worried about what happened you know, back may, then. Maybe, maybe being a correctional officer wasn't my path. And right. The reason why my path is leading to where it leads to now, I had to go through that to find out. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Well, if you if you want, tell people where they could follow you uh, to stay updated about the upcoming book and the screenplay and whatever else you have coming up. Uh, my Instagram is Chill Stevie Guns, C H I L L S T E V I E G U N Z. On Instagram, I don't have a Twitter. I used to have a Twitter. I'm I'm kind of biased because again, uh, if y'all know ASAPM's tweets, I have a love and hate relationship because he's not here no more. Twitter's non-existent to me. Gotcha. Um, you know the book will be published and now hopefully uh, fall of 2021. This kind of pushed it back, but I'm still going back and forth with the proofreaders, the editors on the story. Again, it's a harrowing a harrowing insight into New York City's most notorious. Detention complex, Rikers Island. The nar- the narrative is played through multiple characters who possess a, a particular position within the jail, and it's basically their vision, their eyes, their situation, and you're walking in their shoes, and it just jumps around, and everybody intertwines with each other through desperation and aspiration. Thank you so much for your time, brother. I appreciate you, um, and and I hope Likewise. once I hope once you hear it on the other side. It sounds just as you know Im- impactful as it was hearing it on this side. Um, doing this, uh, I, there's a lot of times fun, I sit man. down and I do these talks and interviews and conversations, and it's just like, ah. 
but now yeah, this nah, this is a, yeah this is, this is a gift and that's why i put it on paper man because i could i could paint a vision you know and i uh people used to tell me like yo you should write a book and i, I don't think i'm that um popular enough to write what i went through right it's only us uh, uh again it's a grain of salt compared to the stuff that goes on in that world and you know again referencing to rikers island so i'm painting a visual for those who have never been there it's called across the bridge for you know um symbolic reasons right it's metaphoric you know it's like you know it's one way in one way out so a lot of people haven't been able to see what rikers island is about it's never been done you know there's a lot of prison and jail movies and series but Rikers Island being the most notorious jail in New York City in the U.S., one of the biggest jails in the U.S., it's never been talked about. So if I could get myself on a platform and we could get this story out there and I could work with other writers and producers and directors, this shit could be big for New York. Well, like I said, you got my support 100%. Ladies and, gen ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he, she, them, and they, Stevie Guns, also known as Steven Dominguez.